0: Well, this morning, uh, we are on the last week of this series, this conversation about we are, like, who are we as a church? Um, you know, and I, I, we've talked about how, like, as a Penn State alumni, you know, I I've, I've thought about that we are thing, and, and uh, you know, y- yesterday, I don't know if any of you saw the game, but we were almost we aren't instead of we are. Um, but we did end up in a, a we are thing. And so, anyway, um, this morning, as we're talking about this, you know, we've talked about, like, these are, this, all these conversations we've had have been about defining, defining behaviors as a church. Things that are uncommon to a lot of the world, but they're, they're common to us. They're, they're who we strive to be, who we want to be. And so, so we've been talking about these core values. We've been pulling back the curtain, and I just want you to see some of those core values this morning. So, so these are our core values. Now, here's the thing. I've been thinking about a lot. There, we're all part of a lot of groups, right? Like, you're, you're part of groups at work. You're part of a group of people. If you're a parent, right, like you go cheer for your kids or you coach your kids, you're part of a group that's, that's you know, rooting them on in their sports or their their music or their band or whatever whatever they're a part of. You're part of a group of people who have a hobby, right? You have a hobby and it's like some other people and you guys get together and do stuff together. Like we're all part of different groups. But let me tell you why I think the church is the group that I've always said, like, if there's one group in my life that I want to be a part of and I would rather prioritize this group over everything else in my life. The reason and how I got there, because I, didn't, I wasn't born a pastor, um, you, you just have to get to know me a little bit, and you'll know that that's absolutely true. Um, I, I, I didn't just grow into this either. Like it just didn't happen. I didn't come from a long line of pastors. Like I, I found the church in my walk with God and trying to find God. And I found a group of people, and I, I've been in a lot of different churches since college when I really got serious about this, and all of these people, like their sole purpose. The, the only thing they wanted was to have people's lives changed by God. That's it. Now, I don't, I've been part of a lot of other groups in my life, but not one of them had that purpose. Not one of them could look in the rearview mirror and say, I mean, maybe by accident, like, oh, that was cool, that really changed me, but not one of them, on purpose, gave their lives to it and can look in the rearview mirror and say, look at." Look at how that person's life was changed. Look how my life was changed. And that is why I love the church. That's why I love our church. Because from the very beginning, this is what we said, we're not going to be a church where people come and people who don't even know Jesus come and they go, I don't even know if I want to know Jesus after I came. there. Like, we want to be the church who says, you're welcome. And that's what we're talking about today. Like everyone is welcome here to come on this journey with us to seek God and to know him. And and the week before that, last week we talked about relationships are vital, how we are a family that God ordained us to be a family. A lot of us don't come from great families, but God ordained us to be part of this family, a new family, a great family. The week before that, Sean Bolton talked about people are developed here. There were people developers that were committed as a church because Jesus was committed to this to never leave someone where they're at, but to help them to go on a journey, to develop them, to invest into them. It doesn't happen by accident. We know that. And the first week, in the beginning of August, we talked about leaps of faith are taken here, about what it means to be faith-filled, Followers, who are willing to take risks, who are saying, like, we can't play it safe if we want to see people's lives change. we got to join God and take risks to see lives changed. And so this morning, um, we're on this last, this last week to talk about what that's like. And, and if, you're, if you're new to us, this is a great week for you to be here, and here's why. Because today, we're going to talk about, like, if your soul longs for something more. You belong with us. This is the place to be. This is the place that you can enjoy. If you're you're longing for a new day, this is the place. We want Daybreak to be that place that you can have that new day together, that you can enjoy that together. Because here's what I believe that we all know in this room to be true. Every one of us, right, every one of you has problems. Every one of you has problems, right? There are problems in your life. There are problems on the inside there are problems that only God can deal with. And at some point, you get to the place in your journey where you realize you tried to deal with all those things on your own, and that wasn't working out. I mean, that's, that's part of what points us to God, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I think for a lot of people, I, I know that I've met and that, you know, that didn't grow up in church, and they come to daybreak, and they go, I just, I kind of question, is this for real? Like, is this church for real that they would be this inclusive? I feel really welcomed here, but I'm a, little, I'm a little suspicious. Like, why would you be so inclusive? And the answer's not really hard, is it? Because Jesus was inclusive. Because that's what Jesus did. He welcomed people into the kingdom. He didn't hold them back from it. He said, I want you to experience all that God has for you, and so I welcome you into the kingdom. So this morning we're going to talk about a story in Jesus' life where he welcomes someone. What, what this looks like. Now, when I was thinking about this message, I thought, you know, we, we could talk about, for example, the time that Jesus sat down amongst a crowd and called the children. over. In a really adult-centered culture, it was, it was almost like crazy that a rabbi would spend time with kids. And everybody thought he was foolish for doing it. We could talk about that time where he welcomed kids into his presence. Or we could talk about the time that he met this woman outside of town, at this well, talked to her as a rabbi, talking to this woman who had been rejected over and over and over in life, who everyone in the town knew this woman was not someone that a rabbi should associate with. Where did his disciples find him? Talking to this woman, inviting her into the kingdom. She had problems that only God could solve, only God could deal with. We could talk about the time that he met this guy that was a tax collector that was named Matthew. The guy that everyone was like, you do not want to be with that guy. The time that Jesus went over to his house to a party with his friends. I mean, who hangs out with... What are you doing, Jesus? That's what everybody was saying. What are you doing? And the really cool thing about that story, right, is Matthew becomes one of his followers who writes the first book of the account of Jesus called Matthew in the New Testament. So we could talk about that time that Jesus but That's not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about a man named Zacchaeus. A man who was far from God and who needed God desperately. And so if you want to follow along this morning, um, you can open up the thing called The Scoop that has an outline in it. You can open up your Bible, your Bible app to Luke chapter 19. That's where we're going to spend a little time this morning to just really dive in to the story of Zacchaeus. So, so here's, here's how the story begins. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Jesus entered into Jericho and was passing through. So Jesus is on, he's just, he's just on this journey passing through. And, of course, Jesus is beginning it by Luke 19. People know who Jesus is. He's got a following now, so he shows up someplace. People want to get around him. They want to see the, what, they, what they kind of think are magic tricks that are miracles. Like, people are really here, but they're, they're there kind of some people are there for the show. Some people are there to really seek out Jesus. So here's Jesus. Enter Jericho. He's passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. Okay, now, to really read this and understand it, you have to understand a few things. We've talked about this before, right? In, in first century Jewish culture, right? I mean, there's kind of an order of things, right? Like Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious priests, the people up here. And then, of course, there's the people outside all of that, the people that they look down on, the sinners, Right? They're kind of over here, the people who are like, you, you don't have it right. You're, you don't even know how to try this. Like, you're, you're a sinner. You're not paying attention to what God wants for you. You're not pay, following the rules. And then, after the sinners, down below the sinners are the tax collectors. Okay? Like, they don't, they don't even make the sinner rank. They're like, every time this is mentioned, no joke, in the Bible, every time tax collectors are mentioned, it's like the sinner's, and the tax collectors, right? We like them even less than the sinners. And so the tax collectors are down there. Zacchaeus is not just the tax collector. Who is he? He's the chief tax collector, right? He's like on the most hated list. Like this is the guy you hate. List. Now, the reason for that is because the Romans were colonizing areas, right? So when they colonized areas, what did they do? They needed to collect taxes to support their war, to support the infrastructure. And here's how they did it. And I imagine they did this from experience, right? You could send a Roman to collect the taxes, but they're just going to get killed. Like, nobody likes the Romans. I mean, they're already the oppressors. So they got smart. And they said, here's what we'll do. We will auction off areas to people of that nation, of that ethnicity, of that area, who know all the other people. And we'll tell them, listen, you can collect as much money as you want as long as you give us our share. Now, this gives tax collection a whole new thing, right? Like, you think you don't like to pay taxes? I still remember my kids when they got their first check, they were like, what happened to all the money, right? It's called taxes, sons. Welcome to the real world, right? So, so the, imagine the person shows up to your house, and they got Roman reinforcements if you don't pay, and you pay them whatever they say you pay them. There's no well, your tax rate is 0.125%. Nope. It's whatever I say it is today. Right? It's, like, it's like when you go to the pizza shop and you order something and you don't know if that's what you got, but the pizza guy's like, no, it's what you got. Take it. Right? You're like, okay, I'll take whatever you give me. This is, this, is a, this is the experience for everybody. So it's no wonder they hate Zacchaeus. They don't want anything to do with him. This is who Zacchaeus is. And we've all... We've all felt probably like Zacchaeus has in his life, as an outcast. I mean, he's, he is on the outside looking in. No matter how much he might want God, he doesn't show up at the tabernacle, the temple. Because if the roof doesn't fall in, somebody else is going to kick him out. Somebody else is going to embarrass him. Have ever felt that outcast feeling like no matter how much I want that, I can't have that because no one else will let me have that. This is where Zacchaeus is. But he wanted something more. He's unpopular, he works for the enemy. And it's it's actually kind of ironic because Zacchaeus gains, it says he is wealthy. It notes that he is wealthy, which means he's pretty good at this tax collection thing. He's, He's taken from the poor and he's wealthy. And what's ironic is that he has all this corruption in his life People see him this way, and yet his name, Zacchaeus in Hebrew, means pure, which is just ironic. But this is describing where Zacchaeus is, and he hears about Jesus, and he wants to see Jesus. Now, that should tell you something. One of the most charismatic religious leaders of the day, who the, you know, the religious leaders didn't like, but everybody else saw him as like, Wow. He has, like, he, he knows about God. The person that knows about God most, and there's this huge following, the person that he would most likely to be unwelcomed by is the person that Zacchaeus most wants to see. Verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He's never met Jesus. He, does, he just knows about Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he has this problem. Because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. The guy, poor Zacchaeus, is vertically challenged, right? Like, he's, he can never reach the top cupboard, right? He's always, he's always that guy in the movie theater who has to move to the next seat because the tall guy came and sat in front of him. This is Zacchaeus. Many of you who grew up in church, you know that Zacchaeus, he was a, a wee little man. I mean, what a, what a legacy, right? Like, for the rest of your life. All the people who are following Jesus know you as a wee little man, right? At least all the American Christians know you that way. This is his legacy. So he's short. He can't see over the crowds. What's he do? He runs ahead and he climbs a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. He climbs this tree. Now, I want you to remember, he's a grown man climbing a tree. How, 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 like, desperate, how hungry do you have to be to be a grown man who says, I'm going to climb a tree just like a kid. I mean, now, remember, they didn't wear jeans back then, right? He's got, a, he's got, like, a tunic and a robe thing on, right? Like, he's, this is not the most dignified or able way to climb a tree. This is what he does. He hikes, his, hikes that whole stuff up, gets up in the tree. Lord, help anybody who walks underneath So this is Zacchaeus, he's in this tree. Now I want you to see, I want you to get a picture of this, because I think we can picture, we have all kind of different trees in our culture, but I want you to picture a sycamore fig tree. And so can you guys bring up that picture of the sycamore fig tree? This This is what a Middle Eastern, like that area sycamore fig tree looks like. And so this is a tree that when you climb it, like you might think, oh, he, he climbed this tree. He's going to kind of stand out. Now, this is a tree that you climb to see what you need to see but also to be hidden and safe at the same time because you don't want to get noticed by the crowd. You don't want to be called out. You've been called out way too many other times on the junk in your life. And so when Jesus comes along, it's not in a tree like that. You're walking along from a distance. You can picture this, right? You walk along from a distance. It's not easy just to pick somebody out of the tree. In fact, when I was a kid, we used to play hide and seek in the woods. You know the best place to hide was? In a tree. In a hemlock tree. Nobody ever found you. In fact, it was just boring. I stopped doing it after a because I was like, no one ever finds me in the hemlock tree, so I'm just going to stop doing this. Like, this is where you go to hide. This is Zacchaeus. He wants to see who Jesus is, but he's not... He's not sure he wants to be seen by Jesus yet. He's not sure what that's going to mean for him. And, and here's where it gets good, because in verse 5, this is what happens. When Jesus reaches the spot, he looks up and he says to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. You see, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is kind of hiding, but Jesus is like, no, I'm seeing you. Jesus is, Jesus is welcoming him. And if we as Jesus followers, and we have to get this, like if you we as Jesus followers, we must also be people who are welcoming others to join us on the journey to seek God. We must be seekers. We can't be like that crowd. And it's easy to think, oh, I'm glad I'm not like that crowd who would have been like casting him out and casting judgment on Zacchaeus. That's not always true of us, is it? We would love to be like Jesus, be the guy, like, he looks up the tree, like, we're welcoming, we're on the lookout for Zacchaeus. But we all have a streak in us to compare ourselves to others. I I still remember um, one time I went to the grocery store, I'd been working outside all day, um, and you know, some of you know, I, I grew up in Perry County, so you can picture, like, my workout, when I work out, clothes, I don't look like a suburban guy, Okay. I look like a redneck. So I, I I went to the store in my redneck boots and my redneck cutoffs and my wife-beater shirt, and I'm, I'm at the store. But I don't really think about this, I'm, and I'm dirty, right? But I don't think about this. I just show up at the grocery store. And i um, walk through the grocery store, and I see these, I walk by these people, you know, and they're, I'm like, wow, those guys are rednecks. Seriously, I did this. And then... Like, the next moment they walked by me, I looked down at what I was wearing, and I'm like, oh, oh I'm, I'm a redneck, too. <laughs> How about that? So my, my point is, every one of us has it inside of us to compare. You either say, oh, that person's more religious than me, or that person's less religious than me, or that person, that, they're not as good as me, or that person's so much better than me I could never achieve. And what Jesus does is turns that all in the head when he sees Zacchaeus and says, no, listen, we, we welcome everyone to, Zacchaeus, you are welcome to discover and deepen a relationship with me. And that's, that's who we are for followers of Jesus. We're people who are always on the lookout, always seeking God, always aware of our own need for God, saying, I, you're welcome to discover and deepen a relationship with God. It would have been easy for Jesus to walk by that tree. Here's what I think is interesting. Jesus is he's in this crowd of people. And there's a lot of probably awesome people in this crowd. There's a lot of people who are, who are they, they want to be around him. You know, they, they want to hear what he said. They're, they're tuning up close. Who is Jesus looking for? In that moment, Jesus is looking for the wild card. Jesus is looking for the guy who's desperate but feels so unwelcome that he doesn't even know if he can get close to Jesus. That's who Jesus is looking for. And what does a person like that need most? Reassurance. God's not against them. God's for them. We have to be on a lookout for people seeking God just like Jesus. Jesus. People need our reassurance that they are welcome in the kingdom. That the kingdom was built for people just like them. Now I want you to hear a story of a guy recently who came to our church. It's actually in Jesse Farrell's small group. And his story of what it felt like to come to Daybreak on his journey to discover Jesus. Let's watch.
1: For many years of my life, I was a wanderer in life. I did what I felt was right, what felt good to me. My life became completely out of control. It was only because of my faith in me that my life became this way. Finally, my faith in myself made me have to make changes or I was surely dead. I have dealt with untreated alcoholism since I was 16. In 2011, I decided that I wanted to take my life by drinking myself to death. By October, I was really sick and needed my doctor's help. I was finally honest with my doctor about my situation, and he told me that I did not, if I did not stop drinking, that I would not survive another year. In my deep despair and darkness, I couldn't understand how this doctor could care so much about me. I drove across 83 North Bridge, coming back into Harrisburg, and I asked God, if you were really up there, I could really use a miracle, and this would be the time. I was broken and in despair, and asked God to help me. My obsession to drink was lifted almost immediately. Unlike Zacchaeus, I didn't climb a tree to see Jesus. I peeked around the corner. I didn't want Jesus to see that a sinner such such as myself would be present in such a worthy crowd of believers. I didn't believe that he would be interested or care for someone with such horrible moral defects such as myself. I was wrong. Daybreak and its followers in Christ have shown me that this is not true. I have been welcomed into a church family that cares and and reaches out to its community and other faithless wanderers. I used to get so overwhelmed in church because I felt so unworthy. But now I think I was overwhelmed with the feelings of my father wrapping his arms around me and telling me to stay and that I am loved. You see, I'm no longer in the middle of the ocean without a map. I have a God that loves me. I understand that Christ died for my sins and what an unbelievable sacrifice for someone like me. I have a church family here at Daybreak that loves and uplifts me through my brokenness and messy seasons. I have had and am still going through turmoil and strife in my life, but I have been taught to lean into God and my church family and my recovery community. It is the polar opposite of what I have done for 19 years prior to my sobriety. I have had six and a half years of a life that I never thought that I deserved. And there have been some things that I have been blessed with that I have never thought would be humanly possible for a sinner like me. God has put so many people in my life to help me navigate and enrich my life here at Daybreak. I am right where I am supposed to be in this church and with this church family. God has a plan for me now. I just have to obey and listen. I would encourage anyone new to talk to a member of the staff at daybreak to join a small group, give this church a month, and let the miracle happen.
0: Man, what a beautiful story. Mark's story is a beautiful story because it's just just another example of what it looks like when we were on the lookout for people seeking God. Because every one of us just needs to be on the lookout. So here's the question that I sit with today, that I come to when I look at Jesus' story and how he... He saw Zacchaeus in that tree because he was looking because where his heart was. The question I come to is, am I looking like Jesus looks for people? Am I I out there looking for that same thing every day? There's this one thing that Jesus says, and you all, if you've been in church a long time, you you recognize it. He says, as you go, make disciples. We... We tend to have reasons that we have a hard time looking for. us because we're busy. Because we're running our kids from here to there. So our lives are pretty full. But I don't think Jesus meant for it to be complicated. In fact, many of you probably, when I say as you go make disciples, you recognize it as Matthew 28 19 and 20, but you've read it this way go and make disciples. And you think, oh, I've got I to gotta go somewhere to invite people into the kingdom. actual Greek reads this way. As you go, as you live, as you work, as you show up at school, as you show up to cheer for your kids, as you coach those teams, wherever you are, be on the lookout for the person who is desperate for God, who is far from God, who needs God. And share your life with them. Share your own seeking journey with God. Share with them how desperate you are for God too. I know we're all busy, but this is what Jesus says. This is what we're about. We help people discover and deepen a relationship with God because that is what Jesus was about. And that's what he commissioned us. to be about. This is, he said the sole purpose of the church is to help each other, and to help others discover and deepen that relationship with Jesus. Now, this morning, I don't know where you show up to here. Whether you're at a place where you're like like Zacchaeus, you're up in the tree kind of trying to be unnoticed, you you know that God has more for you, but you've never really stepped into that. Do you think your past is the reason that God could never accept you. You're like Marcus going, like I'm I'm talking to Marcus saying, I was afraid to show up at church. I literally thought like it would just fall in on had such a bad past. And I don't know where you're at this morning. You you doubt that Jesus welcomes you, that you could be welcomed into the family of God. But you understand that God created the family of God, that Jesus came for people just like you because you're just like me just like everybody else in this room. Desperate for God. And you're welcome in his kingdom. So I want you to be able to sit in that for a minute. I just want you to pray. I just want to pray for you for a minute. And for some of you in this next minute, we're going to sit, I just want you to be able to take all of this in, this next song, and I just, for some of you that know Jesus, maybe this is just the song of your heart today. Maybe it needs to be renewed and revived in you to remember that life is not just about life. It's about people who are seeking God and inviting others on the journey. Will you pray with me this for a moment? God, this morning, this morning, we seek you. We want you to know that we love you. But we need to know. Some of us, especially, who've never experienced this, we need to know that you love us desperately and came for us. And So maybe this is your prayer this morning, if you're in that spot. Jesus, I need you. I want you. But I need your reassurance that you want me. and I want to come to you. Will you reassure me that it's safe, that you welcome me, for those of us who seek you, Jesus, may this be our prayer. Jesus, this morning, break our hearts for what breaks your heart. Fill our hearts with love for others the way your heart is filled with love for others. And we might celebrate and enjoy you and invite others into that forever. In Jesus' name. Say thank you to these guys for helping point us to the message of Jesus. This That's God's great message for every single one of us. That is His heart, and I love that about Jesus. And I want you to, I want to end this story. I want you to hear the end of the story of what, what happens because it is our story, because it is what God wants us to be about. And so, so here it is. It, it's, so so let's, let's recall where Jesus is at now. He, he is meeting, Je- he's meeting Zacchaeus. He looks up and he says, you got to come to my house. i, I got to come over to your house. How many of you have told your kids, don't invite yourself over to other people's house, right? Jesus does not get the memo. He's like, Zacchaeus, i got to come over to your house today. i got to be present with you. But you know why Jesus says that to him? Because, because Zacchaeus is like Marcus, who is unsure that he's really welcome. Zacchaeus, and Jesus says to him, Zacchaeus, you are welcome. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 5.8. You know what Romans 5.8 says? While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. While I was yet a sinner. While I was yet not nothing to do with God. It was all about me. While I was paying no attention to the God who created me. He died for me. Just for chance, at a relationship. And it reminds me, and the reason I love that verse is because it reminds me, I will never stand up to the perfect scrutiny of God. I'll never do it. I'll never be perfect enough. I'll never be holy enough. This is, what, this is the message that Jesus brought to everybody around him. He, you know what he did to religious people all the time? He pulled them aside. And it's the kind of things he said to them. Hey, you know how you think you're doing really well with this whole love thing? You think that you're like paying attention to all the good things and you have a really good life? He said, let me tell you a little secret. If you have ever felt hate for someone in your heart, to God it's the same as being a murderer. I mean, this is what he did. He raised the bar. Do you know why he did it? He was doing us all a favor to remind us that none of us will ever be good enough. We all need Jesus in our lives because our sin problem is too big for every single one of us to solve. And he says, invite me in. And in saying to Zacchaeus, I want to come over to your house, here's what he said. He said, I want, and this is an example he sets for us, we must be accepting of others just as Jesus is of us. He accepts every one of you just as you are. He didn't say, get all cleaned up before you come to me. He just said, come to me. Be prepared to be dependent on me. And that's what Jesus wants for all of us. Same thing. And this is the lesson in it that's so important. And this is what he's really saying to Zacchaeus. Jesus doesn't accept Zacchaeus because he's good enough, does he? Jesus doesn't accept you because you're good enough. And listen, Jesus accepts you because He's good enough, because that's just who He is. He is so good. He can do no other thing to say, "I accept you. Come as you are on this new journey. Okay, let's fast forward in this journey that Jesus shows up at his house. He's hanging out with Zacchaeus and his friends. And here's here's where the story goes. After hanging out with them for a while, after being at Zacchaeus' house, and you, you know that other people followed them there, Zacchaeus feels so accepted by Christ. Zacchaeus begins to understand that Jesus really does love him. He wants God's best for him. And Zacchaeus stands up, and he says, Lord, Just a reminder, this word Lord means that Jesus, he didn't call him rabbi, he doesn't call him pastor, he doesn't call him teacher, he calls him Lord, he calls him master. In other words, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, I recognize that you are God, you're the son of God, I recognize it, I've seen the miracles, and now I've met you face to face and I have no doubt of who you are, he says, calls him Lord, he says, look Lord. Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anything, anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Now, to really grasp what he is saying here, rem- remember where we started. What's Zacchaeus do for a living? He's a chief tax collector. That means that he auctioned, he bought this place in society where he knew he would be outcast, where he knew he would throw all of his friendships away with his countrymen, where he knew he would be unpopular. He sells out all of that for wealth. Because wealth is the one thing that makes him feel secure, makes him feel like he's somebody, makes him feel like there's a purpose. I mean, it's been the whole purpose of his life, and he has sold out everything for. And this is what Zacchaeus says, today I will pay back, not just who I've cheated, I will pay them back four times. In other words, just my heart is so melted by you, I don't want to stay where I am. I would rather have you, Jesus, than everything that I have worked for in my whole life. And at this, Jesus says, today, today, salvation has come to your house. Has salvation come to your house? Do you remember saying this to Jesus? Uh, do you understand that this is what Jesus came to do, is to convince you that following him, and following him, that you might be convinced that everything else that you have ever pursued doesn't hold a candle to what God has for you. Everything else that you've made a priority in your life means nothing compared to what Jesus can do in you. Just cast it aside. Because Jesus is so much greater, so much more irresistible. So Zacchaeus repents. This is what he says. He says, I give it all to you, Jesus. And in it, here's what we see, Jesus again. This is the example that Jesus sets. He says, listen, this is what you need to be about. The Great Commission, he says, as you go, make disciples. As you go, live like this, where you're always on the lookout for that person who needs me. And it's interesting is the crowd. When when Jesus does all this, do you know what the crowd says about Jesus? I mean, if you look in the Scripture, this is what the crowd says about about Jesus when he goes... They, they say about him, they say, listen, they, they look at Jesus and they say, you, he goes and he's going to hang out and be a guest of the sinners. This is their accusation against Jesus. Look at Jesus. He goes and hangs out with the people who need God most. Look at Jesus. He goes and shares God with the people who are desperate for God but don't know their way. If there is one thing that I hope you are accused of in your life, it's that. I hope that every one of us can be accused of that same thing. I hope our whole church can be accused of being a place that says, what are you doing? You welcome people who are in welcome everywhere else. What are you doing? Those people who are far from God. And we say, No, we welcome them. And you know why we welcome them? Because Jesus did. Because Jesus did it for us too. And I love that about our church family that that's who we are, who we're called to be, that it is the great purpose of our lives. The great purpose of our lives isn't to be the best parents, the best career person, the best student. The great call of our lives is to welcome people into the kingdom of God, to help people, each other and others, discover and deepen a relationship with God. And I believe that's who we are as a church and who we're becoming. You know, when we got started at daybreak, that's what we did. That's what we were all about. In fact, if there was one thing that we were accused of, it was you guys might be a little shallow because lots of people are finding Jesus there. I'm okay with an accused of that, but I will tell you that I think we've gone through a season where we've realized with each other that we had to grow up too, that we needed to deepen our relationship with Jesus too, and in it, I believe that we are ready as a people, as followers of Jesus, to say, you know what? I'm not going to live my life for some other reason that's not going to make a real big difference in this world. I'm going to live my life to look for people who are far from God and to invite them to seek God with me and to deepen their relationship with God with me. That's beautiful. I mean, I think about how that's happened this past year. I think about like, people like Marcus. I think about people like people in our congregation who shared with their waitress at a restaurant that she might come and be welcomed here, and she didn't know God, and then she came to Christ because they welcomed her, because they prayed for her, because they said, well, you just come see God with us. But those are beautiful stories. That's who we are. I think about the life change stories that happen here all the time when people deepen their relationship with God. I just talked to someone the other day who was telling me about how he went through this group at daybreak and, and for the first time in his marriage, instead of them seeing each other as husband and wife, they see each other as a son and daughter of a God, of God who loves them. And instead of trying to get something from each other, They've laid that all down and said, we're here to minister to each other. He said, it's changed everything about our marriage. Because when we go into a relationship with God, that's what it does. It changes everything for you, everything. It transforms you in ways you can't even imagine. And that's, that's who we become when we follow Jesus. That's who we are, and that's who we will become. That's our core value. Everybody's welcome here. It's the essence of who Jesus was. You're welcome in the kingdom of God. So let me let me remind you like, no matter where you are this morning, no matter what you've done, what your past looks like, what you've done recently, and you're like, you only knew this about me, Jesus wants to meet you right there in that mess. In fact, that's we're going to talk about all of September. How Jesus and God meets us right in our midst. Change our lives. So this morning, I want you to know that Jesus wants to experience and change your life. If you're willing just to seek him. Because he loves to be found. So, will you bow your heads with me for a second as we close in prayer? This morning, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, let me just ask you this morning, do you need to respond to Jesus' invitation, do you need to get out of the tree? Have you been playing it safe? Kind of trying to be unnoticed because you want more of who God is. You want more of Jesus, but you've been playing it safe because of your past. you need to get out of the tree this morning? Accept Jesus' invitation as he says, I want to I come to you this morning. I want to I live in your life. All it takes is saying this morning, Jesus... I don't know all what this means, but will you come into my heart, my life? Will you forgive me? Will you lead me in a new way? I'm glad I'm welcome. here, And you'll start a whole new relationship with Jesus. Maybe today is your day. Some of you, you've been in church a long time and you've experienced a lot. Maybe, maybe you've become jaded. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe your heart's... Faded a little bit in your love for what God's done in your life. This morning it reminded you that Jesus welcomed you. And now, this morning, your response is to be like Jesus. Maybe you need to be looking into those trees for the wild cards in your life, at work, at school, in your family. People that you think, I don't know that they'll ever know God but that God is at work in their lives. God's calling you to be a seeker who invites them to go on the same journey. And You just need to say, God, rejuvenate my heart for people far from you. Remind me of what you've done in my life so I can point others to you because we all have problems that only you can deal with, God. I have problems that only you can deal with everybody else in my life. God, Restore my love for people. Lord Jesus, this morning, will you come? Holy Spirit, will you fill this room and these heart, every, every heart here with your grace and your goodness and invite us to enjoy all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.